Old radio, old radio, old radio, old radio, old radio. Comedy podcast. Welcome to episode twenty-eight of season four of the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. The Fred Allen Show was a comedy variety sketch program starring comedian Fred Allen and his wife Portland Hoffa and a large cast of supporting characters. It went through numerous name changes, from the Linnet Bath Club Review to the Salad Bowl Review to Town Hall Tonight, etc., depending on the change of sponsors over the years. Its most popular iteration was from 1940 to 1942, when it was called Texaco Star Theater with Fred Allen, sponsored by the Texas Oil Company. Bob Hope's radio shows also ran through various sponsors, with the most popular iteration being the Pepsodent Show starring Bob Hope from 1938 to 1948. During this time, and especially during World War II, Bob Hope gained massive fame from his radio show, and the Pepsodent Show was one of the most listened to radio shows. His opening monologues were especially popular, cementing him as one of the top stand-up comics in America. The show frequently went on the road during the war, broadcasting from various military bases, both in the U.S. and abroad. In 1948, due to declining ratings, Pepsodent pulled its sponsorship and was replaced by Swan Soap, and the name changed to The Bob Hope Show. Unfortunately, the show competed with the new Life with Luigi, which crushed it in the ratings, and Swan pulled the plug. Various sponsors followed after that until the show's end in 1955. Now sit back and enjoy the October 28, 1945 broadcast of The Fred Allen Show with guest Charlie McCarthy and the October 13, 1942 broadcast of The Bob Hope Show with guest Betty Davis. It isn't Ma Perkins, kiddies. The Fred Allen Show with Fred's guests Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. And the biggest court trial of the year, Charlie McCarthy versus Fred Allen. Portland Hopper, Minerva Pius as Mrs. Nussbaum, the DeMarco sisters, and Al Goodman and his orchestra. And for those who weren't at my christening, my name is Kenny Delmar. This past week, the National Federation of Business and Professional Women's Clubs met to discuss the problem of post-war jobs for women. And so our question is, how do you think women will fit into the post-war business world? Shall we go? As one headache said to the other headache, let's take a powder. so quiet and restful here in Allen's Alley, Portland. But I can put a stop to that just by knocking on the senator's door. Somebody, I say, somebody knock. Uh, yes, I... Uh, Claghorn's the name, Senator Claghorn. I know is. that. I'm... I'm from the South, way down south. Every week. Where I come... I come from, when we say cotton, we don't mean no movie actor. Now, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Look, don't butt in, son. Well, Stop I, blabbing. I'm not trying to blab. Please interrupt him. Try listening. Listening well, to me. If I could only get a word. Don't give me no Gettysburg address, son. Now, look. 
Senator, slow down a minute, if you will, please. You've only two more years in office. What is your opinion? What is your opinion of women in the post-war business world? It got, I say, it's got us worried, son. Senator Glass is all broken up. Well, then you... <laughs> Glass is broken. That's a joke, son. That's witty. Well, I know it's yeah. witty. I'm here. Southern humor. I sensed that it was real Southern humor. I'll go down there and enjoy it something. <laughs> you, uh, you ain't very quick, are you? Oh, now, look. <laughs> Senator, what do you, as man to man, or as man to what I am, what do you think... <laughs> what do you think about women going into business? I say let them go into business. Fine. Women can be politicians. Women can be bartenders. Good, good. Bartenders, that is. Yes. A woman... A woman can even be president. Good. But there's one... I say, there's one thing a woman... A woman can never be, son. A woman can never be? The father of our country. Go on. Go on. Go on, Go on that is. Well, the senator has an answer for everything, even before you ask him. Say, I wonder if Titus Moody is in tonight. Howdy, bub. Well, <laughs> Mr. Moody, how do you feel about women working? Oh, some women overdo it, bub. Overdo the working? You're speaking from experience? Yeah. For 20 years, my wife's been raising chickens. And she's overdoing it? She's in the hen house morning, noon, and night. I see. One morning, the rooster was sick. Yes? My wife got up and crowed. So the hens would know the sun was coming up. Well, that is overdoing it, isn't it? Last week, my setting hen got a dizzy spell and fell off the nest. Yeah? My wife sat on the nest day and night till this morning. What happened? <laughs> Have a cigar, bub? A cigar? <laughs> well, I'm a papa. A papa, eh? Hey? Yeah. Ten of the prettiest Plymouth Rocks I ever seen. <laughs> well, Mr. Moody. Mr. Moody owes me nine cigars. Well, I think I'll try this next door. No. Ah, Mrs. Nussbaum again. Yeah. You are expecting maybe Dinah Schnorrer? <laughs> Uh, not necessarily. Tell me, uh, tell me, Mrs. Ann, how do you feel about women working? On account of working, I am losing mine appeal. Your appeal, huh? How do you mean? When I'm 19, I'm having beautiful legs. You had beautiful limbs, huh? They are calling me the Dietrich of the Lancestry. Oh, really? <laughs> uh-huh. Then I'm taking a job in an old girl orchestra. Not, uh, not Spitalny. Oh, no. No? Blossom Blomberg and her Brownsville Boogie Woogie Babies. Oh, <laughs> Good. I am playing sitting down the cello. Oh, the cello, huh? For five years, every night, I'm sitting with between my knees the cello. For five years? One night, I'm looking on my beautiful legs in the mirror. Yes. <laughs> You mean that... Uh... When playing the cello, I am bow-legged. God. It's looking like incessantly I am riding a horse. And today with your bow-legs... Instead of the Dietrich of the Lancaster... Yes? They are calling me Hopalong Nussbaum. Oh. 
Well, here we are at the last house in the alley. I wonder if anyone's home here tonight. Oh, it's you again. Ah, McGee and McGee are songwriters. What's new, boys? We got a great mother song. It's a sensation. What is your mother song called? You remind me of my mother because you are my mother. Mother, oh, mother of mine. Now, wait a minute. You ought to write something for the senator, boys, when you get a chance. Look, fellas, tonight I'm down here in Allen's Alley getting reactions to women working. We got just the song you want. About women working? How does it go? Hit it, Jim. My grandma's working on the railroad. My mother drives a hack, drives a hack. My sister's helper to a sand hog. My aunt's a steeplejack, a steeplejack. My mother-in-law is now a bookie, but you won't hear me stop, cause I'll be leading the life of Riley when I get my wife a job. Thank you. And now, and now from the musically ridiculous McGee and McGee, we go to the melodic sublime, the five DeMarco sisters. With maestro Al Goodman safely atop his podium conducting, the kids sing California Sunbeam.
Goodman has just made a first payment on I'll Buy That Dream. It was hardly worth his while going to sleep to get so little music Mr. in it. Mr. Allen. Yes, Portland. Uh, did Charlie McCarthy sue you last week? Did he sue me? Yes, Portland. My trial was bigger than the Dreyfus case. Dreyfus was there and told me himself through an old interpreter. <laughs> what? What happened? Well, last Sunday, as you remember, Charlie McCarthy's lawyer served me with a subpoena. I got down to the courtroom even before the judge. And as I came in, I saw a mob of reporters around McCarthy. The reporters were saying... Gentlemen, gentlemen, please, one at a time. One statement, Mr. McCarthy, please. Yeah, well, just tell the world I'm a poor defenseless lad looking to the court for justice. Not that, Abel, you know, that's <laughs> Poor defenseless lad, there won't be a dry eye in the joint yet. <laughs> so isn't this Fred Allen coming? Yeah, there's that's the swindler. I'll habeas his corpus. I'll mow him down. Now close that knothole you're talking through, yeah. McCarthy, or I'll pull your arms off and use them for chopsticks. Uh, go peddle your margarine, baggy face. Now quiet, quiet. <laughs> If I give you a hot throat from the knees down, you'll be charcoal. Ah, uh, your father's mustache. Ah, uh, your father's mustache. Quiet, quiet, the judge is coming into court. Hear ye, hear ye, the court will rise. His honor, Judge McKeister. <laughs> order in the court, order in the court. What's the first case? Charlie McCarthy versus Fred Allen. Here, let's get going. What's the charge? The plaintiff McCarthy claims that after he auditioned with Allen... The defendant, Allen, took the show alone, thereby swindling, monking, bilking, and diddling said plaintiff out of his rightful share of the profit. Uh, the plaintiff up. is suing for damage. He alleges... Uh, I've heard enough. McCarthy, take that stand. Yes, Your Honor. Are you the plaintiff? Yes, Your Honor. I'm Charlie McCarthy. Why, you're only a little kid. Yes, Your Honor. I'm just a poor defenseless lad looking to the court for justice. I'm an old great. Is it the defendant in court... Uh, that's the skunk over there, you Now, know. who's a skunk? Why, you woodpecker's hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> Your father's goatee. Your mother's What do you think this is, a longshoreman's meeting? I'm sorry, Your Honor. This big bully frightened me. Your Honor? Shut up, you. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Chiseling this poor innocent kid out of his money. Your Honor, I... Quiet, you're guilty, Ellen. <laughs> guilty? You haven't even tried the case yet. Oh, yeah? It'll only take a minute, wise guy. Hey, kid, what happened? 
Well, <laughs> he gave me the Cornish hug. Why, that dirty sneak thief. Yes. Have you got any witnesses, kid? Yes, Your Honor. Uh, Ray Noble. Ray Noble in court? Here I jolly well have and all that sort of judicial nonsense in that. <laughs> uh, Mr. Noble, uh, where were you on the night of October 21st? Well, frankly, I don't recall, old prune. Huh? But while I have the floor, I would like to say a few words about continuing lend-lease. Now, I object. <laughs> I object. I object. Pipe down. Proceed, kids. Ray? Uh, uh, yes, Charlie. Remember the night this sneak Alan came over to our program? <laughs> Do I? Yeah. Why, that was the night I took out that debutante I met at the automat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we made a night of it. Yeah, yeah. Liggett, you know, to all hours. <laughs> <laughs> and then a minuet or two at Roseland. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we topped it off with a ride through Central Park at oh. dawn. <laughs> Charlie, I put my arms around her. I object. <laughs> Amazing. That's exactly what she did, old bun. I don't know why. Good work, Ray. Good work. Yeah, are you through with the witness, McCarthy? Yes, Your Honor. Your witness, Alan. Good. Now, Mr. Noble, isn't it true... Next witness. Next witness. I haven't even had a chance. One more blab out of your big mouth. <laughs> One more blab and I'll throw you in the clink. I'm being railroaded. Why, you, if I had something on under this robe, I'd take it off and come down there. I dare you to. <laughs> Quiet. I got a good mind to try putting me gravel in your mouth for size. Next witness. I, I guess, I guess that's me, Mr. Burgess. Well, that's you. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, the witness, uh, the witness looks as if he's half asleep. <laughs> well, I, I just woke up. Uh, where am I? You... You're in court. Oh, oh. Well, guilty, Your Honor. <laughs> you ain't on trial, stupid. What's your name? Well, it's, uh... Well, the name is, uh... Sort of caught me off my guard, I mean. <laughs> uh, Mortimer Snur, yeah. Yeah, raise your right hand. Yeah, the right hand, right hand. Which is right hand? Well, point it out now, raise it. All right. You promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? No, no sir. No, argument. Nobody's going to trap me. I object. Yeah. Your Honor, may I ask this witness just one question? Well, do you think you can handle him, Snipes? Let me at him, Judge. He's my meat. <laughs> Mortimer Snurd, isn't it a fact that you are unfit to testify? No, I don't. Isn't it common knowledge that you are a chowder head? No. A moron junior grade? And a dehydrated nincompoop? Hey, Mr. Bergen, yeah. He's got me cornered, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Judge, if this is a trial, quiet, pass. Stand down, Snoyd. No, I did the best I could, Mr. Burton. Yes, I know. He was just too quick for me. Just... <laughs> yeah, nice going, Snoyd. This testimony's been pretty damaging, Alan. Before I sentence this fink, Mr. McCarthy, how about you summing up just for the record? Well, Your Honor, my story is the oft-told tale. The innocent youth led astray by the honeyed words of a chiseling low-life... I object! Yeah. Objection ignored! <laughs> Trust me, kid. Thank you. I was happy. I had a kind friend in Mr. Bergen. And then this snake, this dirty... I man. object! Yes. Save your breath, Alan. Yeah. Pour it on, kid. Yeah. 
I arranged uh, for us to meet a sponsor, and then this And guy, then, uh, Your Honor, and then we auditioned. The sponsor said that this talking stump had absolutely no talent. So naturally, I got the job. Quiet, Alan, quiet. You got him in a hot seat, kid. Turn on the juice. <laughs> Humiliated, broken in spirits, I went back to my first and only friend, Mr. Bergen. Dear Charlie. Dear Edgar. Oh, this is ridiculous. I object. Order in the court. One more peep out of you, Alan, and I'm taking off this robe regardless. <laughs> I dare you, Judge. What damages are you asking, McCarthy? Well, I, I was... Uh, you see, I was swindled out of the program. Yeah? And I was libeled and slandered. Yeah? My reputation was damaged beyond words and beyond repair. How much do you want, kid? Well, would $14 be too much, Your Honor? $14? You got this joke over a barrel. Take it around number 200 bucks. Yeah. 200 bucks? Benedict Arnold got a fairer trial than this. Order in the court. Alan, I'm finding you guilty. I'm awarding the kid 200 bucks. But, Your Honor... Yeah, 200 smackers, meathead. Get it up. Get it up. But, Judge, before you stands no hardened criminal, I have no record. As a boy in Boston, my father was known as Honest Fred. I was Honest Fred the second. Honest Fred? And you say you come from Boston? Yes, Your Honor. Are you the little Fred Allen who used to live in the stable back of Paul Revere's house? Yes, Judge McKeister. Honest Fred, don't you recognize me? No, Judge. Wait, I'll take me to pay off. There. You know me now? Pinhead McKeister. <laughs> oh, hiya, Freddy, old boy. Gosh, Pinhead, you a judge? Yeah, ain't it a laugh? <laughs> Pinhead McKeister. Yeah, say, uh, say, Fred, about that money I still owe you. Oh, forget it, Pinhead. What's mine is yours. Ah, gee, Fred, you're okay. Uh, Your Honor, I... Shut up, you little runt. (laughs) You know, one more outvoice out of you, and I'll have you sawed up into dominoes. Look now, Bergen, but something happened to that 200 bucks on the Judge, I have important evidence. Your Honor, I've been thinking perhaps this whole suit was too hasty. Let's forget the whole thing. No, he can't, Your Honor. He can't drop this case. Uh, I have a paper here, Judge. Oh, Fred, let bygones be bygones. Now, come on, all together, huh? Judge, all acquaintance. Quiet! Uh, no. Go ahead, honest Fred. I will prove, Your Honor. <laughs> I will prove, Your Honor, that Charlie McCarthy is not a poor, defenseless lad. Charlie McCarthy is the most dangerous mind in America today. Quiet. Quiet. Mr. Bergen, did you know McCarthy was plotting a campaign to dominate the entire radio industry? Not little old me, no. Yes, little old subversive you. You don't know, Charlie McCarthy, that I found this document with your nefarious plan in your dressing room. Give me that paper, Charlie. Quiet. (laughs) Quiet. Listen to this, Edgar. And I quote from Charlie McCarthy's secret white paper here. The Charlie McCarthy Radio Empire. Quiet, you monopolist. Go ahead, Fred. Go ahead. From there, McCarthy was going to muscle in on the entire radio industry, Edgar. Listen to this lineup of radio shows he had planned. We the McCarthys, young Dr. McCarthy, Charlie's other wife, one man's McCarthy, just plain Charlie, McCarthy faces life, breakfast with Charlie, 
Edgar, it goes right down the line to news with Gabriel McCarthy. <laughs> Lovely out. I think I'll take a ramble into Wildwood Gangway. Grab him, grab him, Bailey. Bring the little crumb here to the bar of justice. Your Honor, the Charlie McCarthy cartel is too big for this court. It's a case for the FBI. Not a federal rap, fellas. Don't call John Edgar. A foul, conniving fiend who would take over the entire radio industry, ruthlessly tramping all in his path. Dear Edgar, dear Mr. Lurgan. Quiet, you monster. McCarthy, I'm holding you on federal charges of violating the Sherman Antitrust Act, violating the principles of the San Francisco Conference, and conspiring to start another war. Sergeant no. <laughs> Allen, mercy, Judge, mercy, mercy. Yeah, what'll I do with him on his spread? Give him life? Well, I'm not vindictive, Pinhead. Let Mr. Bergen decide his punishment. Okay. McCarthy, let this be a lesson to you. I'm paroling you in the custody of Mr. Bergen. Case dismissed. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you, thank you. Now, Charlie, from now on, you're going to think of nothing but your schoolwork. Yes, sir. And you're going to respect your elders. Always, Mr. Burton. And you're going to apologize to Mr. Allen. I'll... I apologize to that dirty rat. Now, why? I'll split you up the middle and make you a clothespin, young man. Father's mustache. Ah, your grandmother's dead. You can't pull that stuff on me. No. Oh, wait a minute. Let him do it. I've got my water wings here. Let him go. For the safety of your smile, use Pepsodent twice a day. See your dentist twice a year. From the Hollywood canteen, the Pepsodent Show, starring Bob Hope and his guest star, Benedict. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hollywood Canteen Hope. <laughs> telling you soldiers to use Pepsodent whether your mouth has a lot or a few, and even though your toothbrush may be GI, your teeth will never be PU. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are back in Hollywood, and you should have seen the reception I got at the railroad station. What a crowd. One guy insisted on putting me on his shoulders and carrying me for blocks and blocks. I finally said, gee, you certainly are a fan without equal. And he said, no, I'm a cab driver without tires. And as, and as soon as Skinny Ennis arrived in Hollywood, he went right over to the Red Cross blood bank to make a donation, but a terrible thing happened. On his way over, a mosquito bit him and drained him dry. <laughs> Everything has changed in Hollywood, though. It's all dimmed out down here along the coast, and you can't have any lights shining toward the sky. In fact, in the drugstores, you have to play the pinball machines upside down. <laughs> and they have a midget underneath to tell you what your score is. And they've certainly got an efficient way of moving the troops from one place to another down here. In San Francisco, they use trains. In Seattle, they use flying fortresses. Down here, they just sent out a girl in slack. But... <laughs> but I'm really glad to be back in Hollywood, and here we are doing the first broadcast in the Hollywood canteen. Boy, this is really a marvelous place. Any enlisted man can come in here, be entertained by the top Hollywood talent, and get free food served by Hollywood beauties. One soldier had a big turkey dinner here. Then he danced with Dorothy Lamour and spent the rest of the evening sitting on Hedy Lamar's lap. He's been AWOL for four days now. They can't, they can't send him back to camp till he stops steaming. 
And it's so crowded that if a soldier wants to play the radio, he has to squeeze past Lana Turner, Hetty Lamar, and Betty Grable just to put it on. In five minutes, I heard 148 different programs. <laughs> but can you imagine all those beautiful hostesses and only servicemen are allowed? I know one guy who got dressed up in a uniform so they could get into the canteen, but they knew he was a fake because the uniform fitted him. <laughs> so they threw me out. And the... Uh... <laughs> And the soldiers, sailors, and marines uh, all get along very well together here. I saw a soldier dancing with a blonde, and a sailor cut in on him. Then a marine cut in on the sailor. And it was all done in an orderly military manner. In fact, the bodies were dragged off the floor in a column of three. <laughs> One of the soldiers here danced with a fat girl the other night, and when he wanted to stop dancing, he didn't smile at her and say, should we stop dancing, miss? He just stood at attention and shouted, company, halt! <laughs> And everybody wanted to dance with Marlena Dietrich. A soldier who was a head taller tried to cut in on a sailor. And I won't say the sailor cut him down to his size, but that was the first guy I ever saw who parts his hair at the shoulder blades. <laughs> and I want to tell you, there's certainly a lot of strong soldiers hanging around the canteen here. I walked in with a blonde on one arm and a brunette on the other. Two minutes later, no blonde, no brunette, no arms. <laughs> And Dorothy Lamour came down here to work last night, but she was almost had a disaster. She was standing in the kitchen in a sarong when a nearsighted soldier reached for a dish towel. <laughs> and now, Wen Niles. Step in, Wen. Say, Bob, doesn't it feel great to be back here in Hollywood? Oh, it certainly does, Wen. Okay, I'll bet you got a great welcome when you went down to Paramount. Oh, what a welcome. You've seen that big red carpet that they roll out for the stars? Yeah. Did they roll it out for you? Certainly. Then the producer turned to me and said, I'm glad you're back, Hope. Now go get the vacuum. <laughs> Say, when I thought you were coming down to visit me at the studio. Well, I did come, Bob, but I couldn't find your dressing room. Which one is it? Well, you know where the number one dressing room is. Yeah? Well, you know where the number two dressing room is? Yes. Well, right between them, Paramount hung a doily over a gopher hole, and it's mine. <laughs> Tell me, did you see Dorothy L'Amour down there? Oh, yeah, Dorothy L'Amour. Dorothy L'Amour. <sighs> now I gotta talk about pestilence. <laughs> Oh, come, come, when you're getting paid for it. Don't pout. Go. Oh, that's right. I get paid to tell people about pestilence, but you, you folks who use it, you're the ones who really collect. Pestidant gives you the big plus of Irium, that speedy super cleanser that loosens and flushes away filmy coating you can feel with your tongue. You see, you can have a bright smile and never know it. Maybe hidden under a dull coating that stains and makes your teeth look dingy. But once that film is whisked away, there's your natural smile. Your bright smile, ready to shine. I'll remember that. I'll keep my mouth shut during blackout. <laughs> uh, why stop there, Bob? Uh, go, you Irium slave. <laughs> go. But, but seriously, give Peptidin a chance to show you how bright your smile can be. Give that cool, refreshing flavor of Peptidin a chance to wake up your taste and let you know your teeth are clean, bright. And you'll know that they are just by the feel of them. So, tell you what to do. You know that empty metal tube you've been saving? Take it to your store tonight. Doesn't matter what kind of an old tube you take to the store. The important thing is to bring back a tube of Pepsodent toothpaste. And here's Francis Langford, ladies and gentlemen. Here she is. At last. My love has come along 
days are over And life is like a song At last The skies above are blue My heart was wrapped in clover The night I looked at you A dream that I can speak to, a dream that I can call my own. I found a thrill to press my cheek to, a thrill I've never known. You smiled, and then the spell was cast, and here we are in. President of the Hollywood Canteen, Miss Betty Davis. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. That was the most flattering introduction. Are you sure I deserve it? Well, you certainly do, Betty. You're all the things I said about you and more. Really, it's a pleasure to meet someone in my own class. I <laughs> 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 uh, But seriously, Betty... It's a thrill for me and those associated with me on the Pepsodent program to be here at the Hollywood Canteen tonight and to give what assistance we can to the wonderful work that's being done here. Bob, we're certainly grateful to you for broadcasting from here. Say, I guess this is the first radio show to be broadcast in the Hollywood Canteen, eh, Betty? That's right, Bob, you are. Later on, there'll be others, but we thought we'd start in a small way. <laughs> now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm a big name. Yes, and I know what it is, but let's be friendly. <laughs> but, Betty, this is really a wonderful place here for the soldiers. We're so, sailors. Glad. We're so glad you think so. Bob, there's a little matter I want to take up with you. You know all the food and the entertainment at the canteen is free. Of course, I know that. Mm. Then why were you standing on the street yelling to the soldiers, Hey, come on in, fellas, it's my treat. <laughs> Well, I left the tips for all of them. <laughs> and Pepsi and Caps are hard to get now. But tell me. <laughs> tell me, Betty, how did this Hollywood canteen get started? 
Well, actually, Bob, local number 47 of the Musicians' Union had an idea to have a canteen fashioned after the American Theater Wing stage door canteen in New York. They invited all the other guilds and unions of the entertainment industry in Hollywood to join forces. They did, and we formed this organization called the Hollywood Canteen. Oh, swell. Now, I bet the enlisted men have a lot of fun here, Betty. They seem to, Bob. One soldier who spent the evening here last week came up to me when it was all over and said he'd had such a good time, he wished he could take this whole place back to camp with him. Gee, that was certainly nice of him. Yes, the uh, MPs caught him half a block from here with nine pieces of silverware and Lana Turner. <laughs> By the way, Bob, I understand you've been doing some wonderful work selling bonds. That's right, Betty. I've been offering to kiss every movie star who bought a $500 bond. That's wonderful. How many have you sold? One, and Boris Karloff wants his money back. Say, <laughs> <laughs> hmm. tell me. Is that you, Boris? Tell me, I... <laughs> How long has this canteen been open, Betty? It's been open ten days, and the wonderful thing about this building, Bob, is that the members of the different guilds and unions remodeled it themselves, and it didn't cost the canteen a nickel. Really? Well, who waxed the floors? Fever McGee? Ah, yes. How'd you, how'd you know? I can see Molly's footprints where she stood over him with a broom. <laughs> Everyone contributes. Yesterday, Bing Crosby brought some steaks over. Yeah, I know. I saw them lose at Bay Meadows. <laughs> Does my old girlfriend, Hetty Lamar, show up here much? Oh, yes, Bob, but I always thought your girlfriend was Madeline Carroll. Oh, yes, she's one of the mob, but, uh, you know... <laughs> you know, in my last picture, I had about 25 love scenes with Madeline. Yes, she told me. I know you'll be glad to hear she's feeling better now. <laughs> oh, you must have your little joke. What else can I get on this program? <laughs> Step out from behind the net and you'll find out. But say, uh, how about going out with me tonight after the broadcast over, Betty? Well, I'm afraid I'm too busy, Bob. You know, these are busy days for all girls. Yeah, you know, women are doing a million things nowadays. They're riveting, welding, taking care of gas stations. See, who knows, maybe someday one of them will learn how to cook. <laughs> Every day, Bob, women are proving they can do anything men can do. There are even women driving taxis. Yeah, I had a lot of trouble with one of those women taxi drivers last night. What was the matter? She wanted me to sit in the back. <laughs> you know, even gas stations are putting on girl attendants now. Yes, I'll bet they're very efficient, too, Bob. Say, Betty, I have an idea. Let's do a little sketch for the folks. You be the girl attendant at the gas station, and I'll drive into my car. All right, Bob, let's go. <laughs> My merry Oldsmobile With no tires on each wheel Gee, I'm running out of gas Gosh, am I lucky There's a gas station over there Oh boy, I made it There's nobody here Service! Hey, a little service, please Watch your hurry, Deagle Nose <laughs> Come on, come on, fill her up Hey, gee, you're a girl, huh? Well, do I check your water? No, it's all right, even if I do drool a lot. <laughs> uh, by the way, kid, what do you think of this wagon I'm driving? It's got a hopped-up motor and a driver to nap. Uh, <laughs> Come on, tell me, what's the trouble? Well, one of my brake rod, rods is busted. 
I burned out my bearings and my crankcase is in terrible shape. Oh, you poor boy. How do you manage to walk? <laughs> Say, this uh, left rear tire's kind of worn. Want me to examine it? Okay. Hmm, I must remember to get my nails shortened. <laughs> oh, that's all right. I can always pick up another tire. I've got a Tommy gun. <laughs> Just a minute, just a minute, I'll spray your windshield What makes you think I got a windshield and get me a towel? <laughs> Say, you didn't drive very much last night, did you? How can you tell, gas in the tank? No, compact on the seat <laughs> Well, how much gas do you want me to put in that flamethrower? Well, give me about uh, five gallons Okay I'm sorry, it'll only take three gallons. Three gallons? Are you sure? Of course. Just look, it's so full I can't get the radiator cap back on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brother, you're really fixing me up fine. Say, what happened to the guy that used to work here? You mean that guy with flat feet, fallen arches, asthma, rheumatism, and lumbago? Yeah? They drafted him as a commando. Say, I just noticed. Where'd you get that china? Oh, I went driving with a girl who works at Douglas. Swing shift? Yeah, she swung before I could shift. <laughs> Thanks, Wolves. Say, uh, how about you going out with me tonight? Okay. I don't mind going out with a swell dresser like you. You sure know how to do a zoot suit, Justice. That's a swell zoot suit. Yeah, get a load of this jacket. It comes all the way down to my ankles. What's the good of that? I'm the only jitterbug in town who can go out dancing while he's having his pants pressed at the same time. <laughs> well, I gotta leave now. I'll say, uh, how about a little kiss before I go? That's not part of the service. Besides, I don't kiss strange men. Wait a minute. I'm not strange. I'd hate to put it to a vote. <laughs> oh. Oh, come on. Just to show there's no hard feelings. Well, all right. I'll give you a real kit. There. There. How was it? They're certainly freezing a lot of things these days. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Betty Davis. And I wish you all the luck in the world to you and the Hollywood canteen. Keep up the grand job you're doing. And now, Skinny Anna singing... Kalamazoo. I've got a gal in Kalamazoo. Don't want to boast, but I know she's the coast of Kalamazoo. Zoo. Years have gone by, my. My, how she grew. I like to look when I carry the books in Kalamazoo. I'm going to send a wire, hopping on a flyer, leaving today. Am I dreaming? I can hear it screaming. Are you, Mr. Jackson? Everything. O K L A M A A Z O. What a gal. A real I'll make my bid for that freckle-faced kid I'm hurrying to. I'm going to Michigan to see the sweetest gal in Kalamazoo.
got a wire hopping on a flyer, leaving today. I'm a dreaming, I can hear a screaming. Hi, Miss Jackson, everything is okay. L A M A C O O, what a gal, a real pepperoon. I'll make my bid for the freckle faced kid I'm hungry to. I'm going to Michigan to see the sweetest gal in Kalamazoo. And now I have a message for all of our listeners. How many of you know... Oh, my God. Hey, what's the matter, Wynn? Hey, Skinny, something's wrong. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Skinny Ennis and his band will now play Jingle hey, Jack... Take, take it easy, Wynn. Slow down there. Tell me what's wrong. Say, Skinny, uh, what's a tube of pepsidin? Oh, you know, Wynn, that's the thing that's built like me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but uh, it's a tooth, toothpaste, isn't it? Here's a script that was handed to me, and it talks about a, a toothbrush. Hey, Chuck, Wynn, didn't you ever hear about pepsin toothbrush? Didn't you know we sell toothbrushes, too? Gosh, No. See, that Pepsodent company doesn't miss a bet, does it? I mean, not when it comes to making teeth brighter and better looking. Gosh, I didn't know about the Pepsodent toothbrush. But here it says the Thrifty Tough toothbrush is now a better toothbrush. Better because it has improved Fibrex, DuPont's newest and finest synthetic bristles. These new bristles are sturdier, heavier than before. And that means they'll last longer. But strong as they are, they're still gentle, kind to tender gums. And they feel good to your mouth the first time you use them. And did you know this new Pepsodent 50 Tough Toothbrush carries the Good Housekeeping Magazine seal of approval? Well, it does, and that means you can buy it with complete confidence. So tonight, folks, go out and get a new Pepsodent 50 Tough Toothbrush. Hmm. Gee, isn't it funny I didn't know about that toothbrush? I thought we were only selling toothpaste and tooth powders. <laughs> Once again, we want you to meet the Navy. Representing the servicemen here tonight at the Hollywood Canteen is... Yeoman Wilbur Johnson reporting, sir. There you are. That's fine. Hiya, Wilbur. Say, you just said you were a yeoman. What does that mean, a yeoman? Oh, it's about the same as a private in the Army, only their pants, they can bend over. Your pants do hug you, don't they, huh? Hug me, Bob. When I bend over, the stitches in the seams start singing my devotion. <laughs> it sure ain't like those civilian clothes I used to wear back in Arkansas. Uh, yeah, you Arkansas, really? Well, say, now that you're out here, what do you think of the girls in California? Oh, I don't pay attention to them. I'm married. I got a wife in Little Rock. Really? Well, this is the first time I've ever seen a sailor with a ship in the Pacific and an anchor in Arkansas. <laughs> well, uh, how long you been married, Wilbur? I got married a year ago. I suppose it was a whirlwind courtship. No, Bob. I went with my wife 12 years before I married her. 12 years? Say, what department are you in in the Navy? Reconnaissance? <laughs> no, <Nope>, intelligence. It... <laughs> Just wait for my last before you throw your slingshot in there, old boy. Do you <laughs> say... <laughs> Don't say what last or I'll fall over. Say, Wilbur, I hear you're a pretty good golfer. Well, I certainly like the game, Bob. I understand you play a lot with Bing Crosby. Not anymore. Boy, would you play with a guy who waits till nobody's looking and picks his ball up and throws it toward the hole? Of course not. Neither will Crosby. (laughs) 
That's you. Cut in. Right there. You know, Bob, being at the Hollywood canteen like this, I wanted to meet a movie star. A movie star? Well, you're lucky you ran into me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Know any? <laughs> Do I know any? Listen, just sit down here at this table and you'll be surprised who you'll meet. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, hello. Hello, sailor boy. I understand you wanted to meet some of the other people on the show, and here I am. Pleased to meet you, Mr. Colonna. <laughs> idea of saying I look like Mr. Colonna. I won't stand for it. Neither will I. <laughs> you don't understand. I'm Vera Big. Pleased to meet you. What outfit you with? <laughs> Mr. Hope, what's the name of this handsome hunk? <laughs> Why, Miss Vegas, this is Will Johnson, yeoman, third class. Oh, listen, brother, he's a man. As far as I'm concerned, that makes him first class. <laughs> For you. You could? Oh, yes, I like tall, dark men. I'm blonde. Oh, then who cares? Kiss me. <laughs> oh, I couldn't. They're old enough to be my mother. <laughs> uh, you know, Mr. Hope, I'd poke you right in the mouth if you weren't old enough to be my father. <laughs> well, tell me, Miss Vague, how are you getting along with the servicemen here at the canteen? wild about me, simply wild about me. Imagine, I just stole a soldier right from under Hedy Lamar's nose. <laughs> That's impossible. Oh, is that so, that Hedy Lamar? I'm just as pretty and young and attractive as she is. I noticed right after I laid her out with a baseball bat. <laughs> Gee, I'd like to meet that Hedy Lamar. Well, you know, Wilbur, all the big movie stars wait on the tables here at the canteen. I wonder who we'll get. Boy, last night, Lana Turner waited on me. She came over to the table and kissed me. The night before that, Carol Landis waited on me and kissed me. Well, here goes. Waiter! Mustache tickles, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, so you're the waiter. Do we have to pay for our meal, Colonna? No, we serve all soldiers free. What about me? Veterans of the last war serve free, too. <laughs> to get into your mustache with an egg beater. <laughs> now look, waiter, what's wrong with this chicken soup? There's more water in it than chicken. Ah, yes. Hen was crying. Chicks got drafted. <laughs> Furthermore, Kelowna, I have another complaint to make. This steak is as tough as shoe leather. Well, that's ridiculous, Halt. That steak is not as tough as shoe leather. It's soft and tender and... Well, maybe it is as tough as shoe leather. Kelowna, how come you suddenly changed your mind and agreed with me? Well, I just looked down and I'm barefoot. Now, uh, what do you have? Oh, uh, Professor, I don't know what to order. What would you suggest to keep my figure trim? Meat cleaver. <laughs> well, I'll go back in the kitchen and get your order. All right, and hurry it up, Cologne. Oh, look, Wilbur, here comes Skinny Ennis. Hiya, Skin. Hello, Bob. Skinny, I want you to meet Wilbur Johnson, yeoman, third class. Wilbur, this is Skinny Ennis, human, fourth class. Hiya, muscles. <laughs> Boy, you should see these two guys standing side by side, folks. They look like a couple of strands of spaghetti in search of a meatball. <laughs> well, shake hands, Bob. We found one. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what's keeping Kelowna with our food. Hey, Kelowna! Hey, will you in a second, Hope? Having a tough time putting these panties on the lamp chops. How come? Won't fit over the girdles. Colonial, you'll drive me to distraction. Okay, but no faster than 35 miles an hour. 
Well, Kelowna, can you just bring me a glass of milk? Milk? Easiest thing in the world. I have a cow out here, and I'll milk it. Only it's cold out here, so I'll put on my woolen mittens. Kelowna, don't milk her with those fuzzy woolen mittens. Why not? She doesn't mind. Watch. <laughs> very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> Care for a milkshake? <laughs> Say, guess we may as well forget about Kelowna for a while. Oh, here comes Francis Langford. Hello, Francis. Hello, everybody. Hello, sailor. Hello. Gee, you're beautiful, Miss Langford. Your eyes are like those of Hero, for whom Leander swam the hell's pond. Your smile is a smile of Cleopatra that made Mark Antony her slave. Well, what do you know? An intellectual wolf. <laughs> well, look, now that we're all here at the table, Skinny Wilbur, Vera Francis, and me, let's have some fun. Gee, Skinny doesn't look as though he's having a good time, Bob. Oh, Skinny never has a good time at these dinners, Francis. Why not? Well, the pimentos and the olives keep looking at him and saying, he's out there, why are we in here? <laughs> oh, the music's starting. Good, let's dance. Who wants to dance this dance with me? I do. Who wants to dance this dance with me? I do. Who wants to dance this dance with me? I do. And don't think she can't do it either. <laughs> Say, you know, I don't think Cologne will ever get... I'll get it. Hello? This is long distance. Denver, Colorado calling Bob Hope. Oh, this is Bob Hope speaking. I'll put your party on. Go ahead, please. Hello, Hope. Yes, Colonna. Which one of you ordered that Denver sandwich? Why, Kelowna, you wouldn't be so stupid as to go to Denver for a Denver sandwich. Why, of course not. That would be silly. Well, where are you? In Bermuda, getting the onion. <laughs> All thanks for the memory, Miss Betty Davis, queen of Hollywood's canteen. Each soldier saying flying man and leatherneck marine. To thank you so much And thanks for the memory You folks who never shirk To make this project work For every dime and might of time You've lent to make it perk We thank you so much Well, we've all had a great time tonight Broadcasting here from the Hollywood Canteen And really it's great seeing these boys of the service Enjoying a little of the fun they deserve Next week, we'll be back at the same time broadcasting for the boys down at Camp Elliott in San Diego. Good night, everybody, and greetings to the boys at the Harbinger Aerial Gunner School down there in the lower Rio Grande Valley, listening tonight over KRGV. Good night, everybody. came to you from the Hollywood Canteen in Hollywood, California. This is Wendell Niles speaking. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Be sure to tune in next time, my friends, for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Thanks.